Welcome to the State of the Union for Operation More Health, Less Healthcare. Now, my goal as a provider is always to help the person create health, not manage or treat symptoms. Don't ever confuse those. So with that goal, I'm often educating people on what to do to improve health outcomes. The frustrating part is breaking that barrier, having people know what to do, but then follow through on how to do it, especially when they know and, and kind of say to my face that health is their greatest asset. And so I always kind of go back to why. Why do people say this? Why do they agree that health is the greatest asset, yet basically abuse it? I mean, average life expectancy has increased over the past, whatever, 100 years, but healthy life expectancy has not increased equivalently. We're just living longer with more disease. And kind of personally, that's the last thing I want to do. I don't want to have a long lifespan if it just means a long lifespan of misery. I'd rather kind of cut it and forget it um, as soon as I start to decline in that way. Now, E.T. Stills, you may not know who he is. He's the father of osteopathy. So if you go to an osteopath, this is kind of the guy that started their profession. It's the object of the physician to find health. Anyone can find disease. I think we need to update that today, where instead it is the object of the individual to find health for him or herself and family. The doctor can find disease. We are at a point in the U.S. and pretty much every developed nations where the more we diagnose and treat, the worse health outcomes we have. For the past 40 years, we've attacked fat, and guess what's happened to heart disease? It's gone up. We diagnose and treat more and more depression, and guess what's happened to disability due to depression? It's gone up. As gym memberships increase, so do obesity rates. And as more specialists are produced, the more obscure diseases that we find. Now, it's one thing if our healthcare system was working. I'd be more than happy to spend the money on it. The problem is it's not. And the bigger problem is that if, if the traditional healthcare system produced just plain duds, like things weren't working, we could just call it a scam. But the reality is that our healthcare system is the third leading cause of death in our country. So instead of it being a scam, it's an outright risk factor to you and your family's quality and quantity of life. And so that's why everything I do around my practice, around my own personal family, is what's, what's going to support this creating health to shift us away from healthcare. Now, I have three little boys, so at some point, I'm sure we're going to have to use the healthcare system for broken bones or, I don't know, stitches or whatever it is, but when it comes to chronic illness, that's a totally different story. Chronic illness is lifestyle illness. So it goes back to why. Why do people say that health is their greatest asset, yet we continually choose ways that it's going to destroy our, destroy our health? And so I'd say it boils down to the apple versus the donut. Now, how many would you agree that an apple is better than a donut in terms of your health? And I would say unanimous. In fact, I've spoken with tons of little kids in elementary school, middle school about this. And you know, they're, they're kind of at the age where they don't shower, they kind of stink and could care less about health. But when I ask which is better, apple or donut, nobody gets it wrong. Um, and even go a step further with them and I ask them, what would they feed their dog? Would they give their dog water or would they give their dog Red Bull, soda, beer, or Kool-Aid? And they all say water. Why? Well, they say if they feed their dogs those energy drinks, then the dog will get sick. And then I usually thought, well, why don't you want them to get sick? Well, it's because we love them. We want, we want them to be safe. We want them to be comfortable. We want them to live a long quality of life. It's a great, perfect answer. 
Now, you treat your dog that way, what happens when your friend comes over after school or you have to bring a snack to your soccer game? Do you offer water, oranges, or some apples? Or do you bring sugar-loaded sports drinks, chips, um, Twizzlers, you name it? And I know the answer to this because I sit on the sidelines of those soccer games. So if giving your dog energy drinks and donuts will make him sick and you don't want to make your dog sick, what does it say about giving your best friends whom you want and need to perform at peak levels at your soccer game or that you want to see at school the next day? Does that show you even like them? Um, at my office during Halloween season, we, we always collect candy for the kids and trade them in for either like, I don't know, some, some cash exchange or like we have trinkets and things like that. And so a lot of the parents ask like, what are you gonna do with the candy? Are you gonna send it to our troops? I'm like, heck no. I want our troops performing optimally. Why would I poison them with this candy? Instead, I'm gonna send it to ISIS or the troops over in North Korea. Let's let them get sick so then we can have some better world peace. Now, again, why? Why do we choose the bad stuff? Why do we choose to watch three extra episodes of Breaking Bad instead of heading to the gym? Why do we choose to suck down sugar-loaded beverages instead of water? Why do we choose to fear things that are out of our control instead of focus on what we can control? And I think the answer is that we don't really understand the devastation of drinking that Red Bull or soda. And we don't really understand the devastation of missing that water. Like there's the whole mantra of everything in moderation and I, you don't moderately beat your dog or moderately like cheat on your wife or mod, like moderation is a fast way to mediocrity. So let me say that again. The answer is that we don't really understand the devastation of drinking the energy drinks or soda, but we also don't really understand the devastation of missing what we actually need, like water. And those are just two examples. In this program, we'll go through many, 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 many more. Now, I think at a conscious level, we have no idea the consequences of those choices. And I think it's because we've been marketed, like literally to death, like no pun intended. We're marketed to believe that our choices don't have a consequence. And you've seen the commercial where you got the guy, he kind of bellies up to the counter in the diner and he's got the chili cheese dog and the fries and the beer and the apple pie. And his body's so violently rejecting it because of uh, the toxicity and deficiency it's creating that the marketing and the commercial comes in like, hey, no problem, take two of these. So based on acid suppressor. So let me make you feel comfortable as you literally kill yourself. And we do this with our kids. Like we have things we feed our children that we would never feed to our dog. I've seen parents reprimand a child for feeding the dog potato chips or chocolate and say, honey, those potato chips will make the dog sick. These are for you. And that may seem funny, but the truth is if, if you understand the consequences of, of the chip and soda going into the child's mouth or even yours, you'd be horrified. You would totally change the way you had an outlook on those things. But you can't parent other kids and you can't parent other parents. And so my job isn't to tell you what to do and what not to do. My job is to hopefully get you to change your beliefs about what you do and what you don't do. And I usually use this example as a coffee. Like here in Colorado Springs, it's a coffee culture. We have tons of roasters. You'll see independent shops. You'll see the big chains. Um, pretty much like every gas station has it. Like any, I don't know, when I take my car to get service, there's usually coffee there. You can't escape the possibility of getting coffee. And I get it. Like people love the smell. They love the taste. They love the warmth of the cup. They love the social connection it brings. You might even be enjoying a cup of it as, we're, as you're listening right now. 
Now, if I served your favorite coffee, kind of made in your favorite way with your favorite mug while you relax with your favorite person, you would enjoy that cup no problem. And you would invite people to do the same thing. You would offer up, maybe not your coffee, but offer up, hey, this is a really cool experience, come join us. But if you had the same exact scenario and I said, hold on, I got something more for your coffee and I just pulled out a bottle of arsenic and just started dumping it into your perfect cup of coffee, you wouldn't drink it. And you definitely wouldn't give it to your best friend. You definitely wouldn't give it to your kid. You definitely wouldn't give it to your dog. Now, why is that? It's because your belief system about that coffee just changed. When your belief systems about something change, then your behaviors will follow. You have to understand that you can't modify behavior unless you modify your belief system. This is why resolutions never work. People make behavior change goals around beliefs that are congruent with those behaviors. Like for example, you may resolve to get up at 5 a.m., head to the gym, and run three miles on the treadmill every morning. But the reality is that you hate 5 a.m., you hate the gym, and you hate running. So of course you're gonna fail. You're destined to fail in that case. And this is where medicine gets you. They swoop in and they give you that tagline, when diet and exercise fail, because you just tried to create something, a behavior change around a belief of those behaviors that you hate. Like it's it's always gonna it's always gonna backfire on you. So how do we change beliefs? And I think to change beliefs, we have to be open to asking questions. And I'll say in all my years of formal education and about five or six years into practice, it wasn't until a mentor of mine taught me to ask better questions. And, and I feel it's my duty to pass this on to you. And when you kind of understand these two questions, then it's your duty then to pass that on to someone else, hopefully your kids. Because we're not gonna change this health culture from a top-down policy-based um, kind of format. It's gonna be all within little pockets of, of houses and cultures and churches and businesses, you name it. So in regards to your health, the two most important questions you can ever ask are one, why are we sick? And two, how do we get and stay well? Now, these answers will depend on who you, whom you ask. So you have your traditional doctor who will answer with something probably like, hey, it was just bad luck, or maybe it's a bad germ, or when we really don't know what's going on, we're just gonna blame it on bad genes. And if they can get you to believe this, then your only hope for resolution, your only hope to get better is what they provide, drugs and surgery, which remember is now the third leading cause of death in our country. Now, if you ask me why we spend 86% of our healthcare dollars in chronic illness, and if you ask me why we are sick, it's because of bad choices. And I know there's circumstances that we don't have control of or didn't have control of, like in childhood, but for the most part, chronic illness is a collection of compounding bad choices. What you've chosen, what you've experienced, what you've been exposed to. Now, if I can get you to believe it's from these lifestyle factors, then the only solution is the power within you to be empowered and take control back. And guess what? The solution is you. You're the hero. And every hero has to overcome challenges to save the day, to get the girl, or even score the goal. I'm just the guide in this process. And whoever your healthcare provider is should be just the guide in the process. You're the hero. If they make something else out to be the hero, find a new, find a new provider. Now, what I want to say is even if it's not your fault, 
it's still your responsibility. What I never want to create is the blame, shame, and guilt game. This serves no one. But what I can say is if you don't take responsibility for your health, you have no chance for hope. You need to take action if you want to create a change. It takes time, it takes effort, and it takes some vitamin C, which is consistency. And it takes consistent in time and effort. Just remember, chronic illness is developed. You didn't catch it or just randomly get it. But it doesn't mean it's your early death sentence. If you develop it, you can develop the opposite, which is health. And there's no single grading determining factor to your quality and quantity of life than your level of health. So let's start actually treating it as the greatest asset you possess instead of giving it lip service. Go get started.